Hey, we're so glad that you're here. Thank you for coming out. Thank you for those of you watching uh, all across Massachusetts, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and around the globe. We are so glad to have you here and just so thankful for what we're doing. You know, it's every, if you notice, every time we talk about giving, it's always from a positive perspective. And I'm telling you that I'm telling you that I'm telling you, you are such a generous group of people and uh, so many good things. Some of them have to do with putting lives back together. And I, I, could, I couldn't tell you the stories of what some of the things you've helped with, with without putting people's business out there, but you've helped lives. There are missionaries, one particular one that is a dear friend of both of ours, who within one month, 60% of their support disappeared. And I mean, they're going to parts of the world where it is illegal to pronounce the name of Jesus. And so we're getting behind people, standing behind them. And I'm, I'm very proud to say that while one missionary stepped off of the field, we directed giving to two missionaries at that moment who we had not helped before. And that's because of you. And when we talk about uh, offering childcare uh, here in the town of Tewksbury, there's a program called Alphabest. They are a, they a for-profit company, but they partner with public schools around the country. And they, they kept calling us, and we were just kind of like, I, I, you know, they said, hey, we're looking for a place to operate out of, and we just blah, 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 blah. And we we're just kind of like, ah, you know, it's just not worth the hassle. And we're bored after talking about this back and forth, said, why don't we offer it to them, but let's offer it to them rent-free. They just cover the expenses of the cost to heat the place, to, to the electricity, and so on and so forth. And they have done that, and they have been doing a great job being able to set things up. And what's awesome is, is there are people in the town of Tewksbury who would never come to our church, but their kids are having a positive connection, and the parents are having a positive connection of being able to work and know that their kids are still moving forward because they're, they can't stay home. How many of you have that challenge? You have a child and you, or a grandkid or somebody, and, and you're like, what do I do? They tell me that they can't go to school, but I, I have to go to work. And so it's been really great to, and I just, I just, we forever pray, God, help us to find a way to meet a need in our town, to find a need and meet it. And that's one of them. And that's been possible through you and your generosity. And people walk in here and they're like, I had no idea how beautiful this place was. Most of us, how many of you, when you drive by this place, it looks like a, a, a Hershey's chocolate kiss, right? <laughs> and so I, one of these years, we're just, I think, I think next Halloween season, we're gonna just get a big giant banner that says Hershey's and we'll just fly it off the top and just for the fun of it. But I wanna get to the point of why we're up here today. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we've been doing this series of simple gospel. And if someone were to, to, to you know, every church has its strengths and its values. Uh, some places are noted for incredible musicians producing their own music. Other churches are noted for deep, deep family community connections. And they just do everything together. And all of those things were constantly, by, by the way, even speaking of music, hasn't Thomas been doing a great job leading us into the presence of God? And uh, if you hadn't noticed, there was a woman next to him. That was his wife. That was his favorite wife, by the way. And, uh, and uh, Vanessa, I've known since she's a little girl. I was her kid's pastor. And so 
they were able to sing next to each other close like that. But we've been, we've been taking the whole concept of COVID seriously. And as many of you know, just recently, myself and Pastor Dylan, we can't quite see and say who gave it to who, but, um, you know, I don't know, I'm the dirtier one of the two of us. <laughs> right. But we, we, we both got COVID around the same time, my wife as well. And uh, it was more like mono, and weirdest thing, losing my taste and smell, but... But um, uh, I still am, I still, you know, run up steps. I'm, I'm winded, but thank God, no respirator, no, there've been great moves in that direction. So grateful for the medical field. And in our church, by the way, there are many people like Ama and Echo and uh, others that are here that are, are in the biomedical research field that are advancing um, safety and, and finding cures. And so we, we just, We've got a great group of people here and just so grateful for you making all these things happen. But we're back in action. And uh, while the governor doesn't speak with one of these on his face, so we won't either. The, the mandates keep going up and up. Now we got to wear masks when we're outside walking around. And uh, it's ironic that we finally have come in the book of Romans into one of our values of preaching through books of the Bible. We've just went through Romans 12 and now we've hit 13. And ironically, we've come to the spot, one of the key places, where the Bible speaks to what a Christian's responsibility, civility, and disposition should be towards government and officials. And so I want to open up in prayer that God would help us here, because it's so easy when you talk about these things that it's easy to offend. It's easy to uh, rub against people's beliefs. Can, Can I tell you something? I really don't care what any particular political group you may be a part of or how you vote. You are known and loved by God. You're known and loved by me. There are people in here that have all kinds of different dispositions when it comes to politics, but we all share the same Lord and the same God. And so when it comes to my conduct as a follower of Christ, Jesus doesn't say vote for this person, vote for that person. But what he does do is is he gives us instruction on how we ought to relate to and posture ourselves with the authority that's established there. So once the state of Massachusetts set out all of their guidelines and COVID hit, we were one of the first and hardest hit states next to Jersey and to New York. And being the biomedical center of America, they took initiative very quickly. And although the constraints have been a little bit tighter here, um, New Hampshire's always across the border there. So you fly up there and be like, I'm taking my mask off. But at the end of the day, uh, uh, we've kept to that for this very reason of the verse that I'm about to read to you. And it's in Romans 13, verses one through seven. Let me read it to you. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities For there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment, for rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain, for he is the servant, he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath 
on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God. Attending to this very thing, pay to who what is owed to them. Taxes to whom taxes are owed. Revenue to whom revenue is owed. Respect to whom respect is owed. And honor to whom honor is owed. Let's pray. Father, I ask that you would just let your word speak. That's what we're about here, is to exegete, to let your word speak for itself. We really don't want to let our thoughts be in charge because our thoughts are not your thoughts. We don't want our emotions to drive us because they're great passengers, but they're horrible drivers. Lord, your word stands firm forever. You hold it above your name, and I pray that the wisdom of this passage would be heard. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. In uh, this, this is a kind of a different approach that we're taking here today because we're going to share what we share with passion and we're going to preach it to you. But uh, Pastor, Pastor Dylan, how many of you have heard this, this young man speak? He is our in-house resident apologist. He is just very sharp. Uh, my mind thinks very historically where he thinks very pragmatic and philosophical and scriptural. And so I just said, Dylan, let's, let's pong through kind of some of this here. And so he's uncomfortable right now because I'm bragging on him. Can you see it on his face? He's like, just move on, I'm, or whatever, thank you. But he, let, me, let me just explain something to you here real quick. Just recently we had, my, my, my desire would be that you would never really be able to say, I know how you voted, you know? You might think, you might think, but you might think wrongly. But um, my, I'm not called to promote a political party or a political agenda or anything like that. But what I am called to do is promote the word of God and where God stands on things. I was talking about something, and I can talk about this just because of being back and forth in the Middle East as, as much as I have been, having friends who are both Christians, Jewish people, Catholic, Eastern Orthodox, Muslims. I have friends in all sides of the aisle over there, Palestinians, um, I mean, I could just go on and on and on. Back in 2011, the, United, the Israeli Defense Force flew its entire, hear this, their entire air force. They are the, the best, most elite air force in the world. They flew them in the Mediterranean Sea all the way about to Spain and then turned around and flew back. And I remember watching that in the news and everybody like, what were they, why would they do that? That's like just kind of weird. Like international waters, the airspace, they could do that. But I knew exactly what they were doing. Because if you take the distance to where they flew and you turn it to about two o'clock, it is exactly the same distance to where the Iranian nuclear facility was. And they were sending a message to the world. The message that they were sending was this is that this group, if they possess nuclear weapons, will use them to terrorize the world. Now, let me share something else. I have friends who are Iranians. Recently, back during the, the, uh, the Obama administration, there was a youthful uprising that was saying, listen, we need to change as a country. Unfortunately, the, the radical clerical group squashed that. It was like another Tiananmen Square, for those of you that are older, those of you that are older that might remember that. But, um, why would I say all of that and begin to talk about the passage? I'm saying it because I say, I say it for this reason. One passage that's 
in Scripture as well as is to say that we are to pray for those that are in authority. I don't, I, I, I don't know who's going to be sitting in that seat. I don't know if courts are going to overturn or whatever. But the second that a president and a cabinet is established, my responsibility is to pray for them. And I understand the world very differently having been in the Middle East and knowing how that part of the world thinks. To understand that, that we live in a very dangerous world. Some of you remember in the 50s where they used to say, you know, get under your, your desk and, you know, they used to have bomb drills. And now we have weapons that are so much more massive than that. If, if ever a war with China happens, what do you do if you face a one billion man army? Do you, do you really think that the person that's sitting in the seat of the presidency wants to see us hurt in that way? And when scripture is talking about being submission to the authorities over you, it's not talking about just simply, you know, just, just don't worry about anything and God, God put them there and just deal with it because men will give an account for their, their actions and their, their words and their decisions that we all will stand before the judgment seat of Christ. But we as believers are called, regardless of whether the person you voted for or not, to pray for that person because that kind of danger is the danger that your children and my children face. Those are the kind of wars that my children and your children will have to fight. And my prayer is that we don't see another war like that, but that we see Jesus and that we see, and that we see Christ come back. But in the meantime, how do we deal with everything in the in-between with this? And that's where we come to the topic here of, of stuff with, when it comes to governments. Now, let me just say a couple of things here real quick, and I'm going to hand it to Pastor Dylan. But it says that a person should be subject to governing authorities, which means a subject is somebody that says, if the authorities say, do this, do it. You know, if it says, do that, do that. We're, here's the place where we draw the line. And I think where scripture draws the line very clearly, the apostles were dragged before the Sanhedrin. They said, stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And they say, whether it's right to obey God rather, man rather than God, you decide for yourself. But as for us, we will not stop proclaiming the name of Jesus. This nation could take a turn and, go, and make Christianity illegal. And this church has plenty of friends around the world that will teach us how to be the church underground, out of sight. We will not stop preaching. We will not stop proclaiming the name of Jesus. He's the way the truth in the life. He's the one that took away your sin, gives you his spirit, helps you to be the right person even when you're not always the right person, and he loves you. That's the gospel. I mean, who loves you like that? But at the same time, he's the same God that says, be subject to the governing authority. So when they came and said, hey, listen, if you're going to do church, put, put masks on if you can't be six feet away from each other. Have a flow of traffic that goes through that looks like this. And so rather than fighting that, we flowed with it, and we had the local health department tell us, you have one of the safest structures in church. And I just say to those of you that are watching online, although this pastor and that pastor, because we worked together, caught COVID, nobody in this building ended up catching it from us. There are a couple of different people that have been catching COVID from different places, but the time frame between when we had it and others, it, it, it doesn't look like it happened there because we've kept these protocols. We took that one week off because we wanted to give time to make sure that we didn't make the band ill and we didn't make um, the media team ill. So that, by the way, thank you for, for just flowing with that. But what, that's, like, that's what it is being subject to the authorities. I mean, a freedom of me putting on a mask because they say that it's for the better good. Well, you know what? I might not like that mask, but 
I'll just get one that I think will make somebody smile and just have a good time with it and roll with it and deal with it. And every single one of you here are doing that. But I say to those of you that are out there, um, the, the real experience is nothing like the, the, the real experience. And I encourage you to come out and join us here. But I also want to remind you what we've said from the beginning is that when is the right time for you to come back? The right time for you to come back is when you're ready. So this church is not looking down on anyone who is watching online or anything like that. You've still continued to be the church. You've called me up when we were sick and prayed for us. Your giving hasn't, hasn't changed. And I'm just, I just want to say thank you. But I also want to encourage some of you, as things move along here and as vaccinations and infection kind of carries along, and then all of a sudden it just seems like it's Groundhog Day and it's good to come back. Come back and join us. Come back and join us. But it says, whoever resists the authority resists what God has appointed to the, and those who resist will incur judgment. What, what, what is happening here is, is he's speaking in terms of for our protection. He's talking about those things that when it comes to governments and it comes to, to um, uh, force, protective forces, would be a police department, National Guard, military. He said, you, you know what? The main purpose that they're there for is to protect you. And so in the days that Jesus lived, it was law that a Roman soldier could come up to you and say, hey, you, see that bag? Carry it right now. And they could force you. You could be on your way to Disney to catch a plane. And they could force you to carry that bag for exactly one mile. The Roman mile markers were there for that reason, for distance. And then after that mile, you could set the bag down and then they had to find somebody else. What does Jesus say about that? If someone asks you to go one mile with him, go what? Go two. There's something that Jesus is trying to help us to see. When it comes to facing giants like Goliath and evil, Man, the gloves are off. But when it comes to being a witness in a culture and in a world that we live in, he's saying the humble road is the right one. And I think that that all ties in with taxes, debt, respect, and honor. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, Pastor Paul and I have been talking about this a lot uh, this week. And first off, I want to thank all you guys for letting us interrupt the normal format of a sermon, because this is really something we felt needed to not just be preached, but be taught, uh, especially during this tumultuous period in our uh, collective history, when we're facing some pretty uncertain times ahead of us, and we think as Christians, we need to know what does the Bible say on how we should be interacting with our government. Uh, so the question we've been asking is, what is good civil disobedience? When is the right time to resist government, and how should you resist government? That is a tough question because a lot of people out there will just say, well, if you don't like the way things are going, pick up a brick and start, you know, rioting, start throwing, start uh, uh, making things happen. Except in, that in way. church, of course, right? Yeah, please don't okay. do that here. All right, cool. Because we'll have to patch the walls. Uh, My head. And so I think what better place to look than at how did Jesus go about this? What did he say to obey? And what did he say to disobey? And, and more importantly, how should we disobey? Because we're not supposed to pick up arms. I mean, you look at, Pete, you look at Jesus, right? He's approached about taxes. And he shows them the coin of the day, which is the denarii. And he says to them, whose image is on this coin? They say Caesar's. 
So he says, okay, give to Caesar what belongs to him then, and give God to what belongs to him. By the way, this is probably a carryover from his father Joseph, who when it came time to pay taxes, what did he do? He traveled the length of the whole country so he could pay taxes for his family in the right place. So it was probably his dad's teaching. Also, the implication is Caesar's image is on this coin. Give it to him. It belongs to him. But whose image is on you? You ought to be giving yourself to God, by the way. But you see there, Jesus is saying there are certain things that you shouldn't be resisting the government on just because you don't happen to like them. And then there are other things he resists the government firmly on. He calls them out on and is ultimately crucified for it. But yet Peter takes it a step too far. His lead apostle, he picks out a sword and he tries killing a guy with it and takes his ear off. And Jesus stops him. He says, no, those who live by the sword will die by it. And he puts his enemy's ear back on his head through a miracle. And I think that's a good thing, because some of us, I think, and if this steps on your toes, forgive me, but it's intentional, if you value, perhaps, the Second Amendment a little too much, the thing is, as, as Christians, there should never be a time when we're picking up arms against our own government, because Jesus didn't do that. He didn't seek to establish a political, physical realm. He said, instead, don't resist those. Bless those who curse you. You know, don't pick up the sword against those who are coming out against you. That's a tough thing to do. And people on all sides of the spectrum struggle with this. You have people in in Portland picking up arms. You have militias elsewhere in the country like Texas picking up arms. But as believers in Christ, our faith isn't ultimately in our republic. It's in the kingdom. And we have a responsibility to be lights in our republic. But our republic is not ultimately our home. But there are good ways you can do civil disobedience. I mean, you look at the baker out of Colorado named Jack Phillips. He took his case all the way to the Supreme Court to resist being forced to make a wedding cake for a homosexual wedding, which he did not agree with. He lost all the way up and won his case in the Supreme Court. It's a good example. However, I got to ask, if we do that, we have to be willing to lose. And it ought to be something we're privileged to do. Acts chapter 5, when they're when they're persecuted for their faith, it says they rejoice that they were counted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And in Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 34, it says, they joyfully accepted the plundering of their property since they knew they had a better possession in heaven, an abiding one. You that's, see, sometimes you're going to have stuff taken away. That, that's kind of hard because, like, I think I have hillbilly in me. I'm just like, get off my land. <laughs> um, and, you know, this is a hard thing, too, because our nation actually was formed from, a, from a a re- rebelling against another right. nation, but yet it was kind of different because we were far removed, and they were taking everything and leaving nothing. And, you know, my, my wife s- said this once, and it's just one, it was just really, really profound. If the world were black and white and never gray, there'd be no need for wisdom. And I think there are some moments here when it comes to, well, what do you do if? What do you do if? I don't think that Paul's intention is to solve every political question and put an exclamation point next to it. But here he's saying like, hey, you may not like what's over you or around you, but conduct yourself as a child of the Father above you. And I think that when we frame it that way, it really, it really, really helps. Um, I'm a, I'm just going to go geeky here for a second, but I, I just love it. If, here's the thing that Rome did. If you, were, if you were in the Roman Empire, they believed that if you could prove your religion predated the, 
the formation of the Roman Empire, they let you exercise it. That we get in our English language from their Latin, licit and illicit. Illicit is illegal, licit is legal. So because Judaism was formed long before uh, the Roman Empire, they allowed Judaism to practice it because it was a licit religion. It predated the empire. But what made it was a, legal, a religion legal or illegal was not uh, anything other than just simply did it predate the empire? Otherwise, you, you can't do it. They were, they were pretty flexible. And if you look in the ancient world, if you, the coins are like the, the web page or the advertisement for, you want to get a message out, that's how you did it. And all of the coins that you see from back in the time the Romans had issued within that area, they have things on them like anchors and bullhorns and cornucopias and pomegranates and all those kind of things. But the temple, you know, this is kind of hard because if you look at medieval history, and this is the great thing, Sam, the young man that was up here, he's working towards a PhD in, in uh, medieval and uh, late antiquity in history. So we have these real geeky conversations, but there was a time where the church was massively abusive and it literally rivaled the power of kings. And in fact, they would say that the king was God's institution, but we know for a fact, looking back through history, that not every king was, was godly and to, to reject that. And, you know, I think where it comes down to the issues, you know, of faith and honoring, it's like where there's honor due, bring honor, where there's respect due. You can respect the office of a president that you didn't vote for, but not necessarily feel that they're honorable, but you can give that respect to that, to that person through the prayers that, that God would have us to do that. And um, the whole licit and illicit religion thing is that literally in the day of Jesus, when Judas sold them for 30 pieces of silver, it was a certain coin. The Roman coin was 80% silver, but the Tyrian shekel, which was made just north of Israel, was about 94% pure. So if you went to the temple, the temple had become so corrupt, the church there had become so corrupt, they would not allow you to pay with Jewish coin that was, that was copper. They forced you to give this Tyrian shekel the temple tax because it was, it was pure silver. It was all greed. And Jesus, we know what he did, right? He walked into the temple and he flipped it. So the same Jesus, the same God who says, show, show respect the governing authorities and you know what? Show respect where respect is due is also the same God who flipped the table. And there might be situations where sometimes we just have to flip a good table and make a good point because they were ripping off the people. So again, I don't want you to see this passage as like a one size fits all because there are a lot of areas where it falls between. But look at this, all of those coins that had all those images, whenever the Romans had a ruler over Jerusalem, they always used non-offensive stuff because the image, images were offensive to the Jewish people. The, the eagle of the Roman Empire, the, 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 the face of Caesar being shaped like a god. And when Pontius Pilate comes into town, he comes in and he decides to make his own coin and the thing about Pilate is, is that he was known for a couple of things. He was known for executing people without a trial. Does that sound familiar to you? That's what they did to Jesus. And he was also known for hating his subjects. So he intentionally put a coin out there with that little squiggly thing, which is a wizard's auger from the Roman priests. So it was almost like, you want to handle money? Fine. 
You don't, you don't, you, you like your God? Fine, in your face. How many of you work with people who know that you're a Christian and go out of their way to insult you or trap you or humiliate you at every turn? You know what? God calls us above that. He calls us above that. And in fact, after Rome defeated Israel, the, the, the emperor had a coin made called the, the Judean Copta, which means Judea conquered, and they pictured the Jews as a, as a woman under a palm tree, subjugated, and then the guy in back of him is supposed to be a Roman with a whip in his hand. Here's the truth of the matter. The very empire, the very structure of government, the very system that we're in the world, but not of the world, God says, be subject to that authority. But the truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we find ourselves in very difficult situations because the world, if they hated him, they'll hate us. And uh, in fact, in the book of Acts, the apostle Paul, is pro who wrote the book of Romans, he never been to Romans, but he wrote this letter to the Romans. And it's interesting, this, this is very interesting because when he's writing this letter, the Roman emperor is about to kick out every single Jewish Christian from Rome because the Jews who were not Christians were known for creating riots and tension and they were constantly rebelling against Rome. And so they basically said, get out of here. When you said early church Christian, you were actually calling a person, are you a Jew Jew or are you a Jew Christian? And so the, the ancient hist Roman historian Suetonius says that because the Jews at Rome caused uh, con contention, disturbances, and instigation because of Christ, he, the emperor Claudius, expelled them from the city. In other words, if you look at it, the Jewish people were taking up arms against Rome, but the Christians were perpetually offending the Romans because they just hated them. In fact, you and I would be called atheists in the early Roman Empire because we didn't believe in we didn't believe in Jupiter we didn't believe in Athena we didn't believe in Mars we didn't believe in their gods so they looked at you and I and would have said you're an atheist you don't believe in the gods and be like no I'm not an atheist I actually believe in the one true God and the Savior of the world Jesus Christ who died on a cross on a cross you kidding me we put criminals on crosses your Savior is some kind of Savior and and this is the whole confusion and tension of this but look at look at this in Romans chapter 18, it says that the Apostle Paul found a Jew named Aquila with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. My grandfather owned a house, and the, they wanted to put a road through the area, through eminent domain. And every single neighbor sold off, but my grandfather, being stubborn, refused to do it. And by the time they got to him, he was the only person there, and they just leveraged politics, and they leveraged the situation in such a way that he had to, he had to eventually, he had to leave. There was going to be no benefit being next to a highway. But by that time, they hadn't even given him a fair price. And he hated that, and he left. But he moved on, and they had my father, and my father met my mother, and my mother had me, and life went on. And here's what's the amazing thing is, is that God, isn't the, God doesn't say, look at everything and say, I did it, it's good. But God says, I'm the God who works all things together for good. 
Some of you in this church have been displaced, and I know your stories, of wars in Liberia, in the Democratic Republic of Congo, possibly Nigeria. And you've seen things that nobody should see. And yet here you are, and here your children are, and here you are in this community, and you make us better. And I would never want you to say that we think that the government and the things that were done were right because I don't think this passage applies to every single situation. But you know what? We serve a God that works out every situation for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Amen? Amen. Amen. And some of you are those who I just talked about. And you might be going through a situation. My wife and I found out one year that our taxes weren't deducted. And we said, oh my goodness. And we got slapped with a massive bill. And for the past three years, not one of my tax returns have come to me. And on top of that, we've had to give a certain amount of money each month to that. But the Bible says, to taxes who are owed, give to taxes. And hopefully this year will be the last year that we have to give away our tax return and we finally get some benefit from that. I haven't enjoyed that, but I'll tell you what, I enjoy the fact that I'm not in a country where there's a dictator, where it's, against, it's illegal for me to do what I do here. And uh, it may not be the perfect situation, but whoever becomes president certified here when this is all done, they will have my prayers because I would not envy the job that they have before them. But if they ever tell us that we can't proclaim the name of Jesus Christ, we have enough friends who have been doing underground church in places like China and Iran and Saudi Arabia, and you better believe the church will be alive and well and thriving, and it is better to obey God rather than man. And I think that those are the places where the Bible says, if you're going to die on a hill, die on the one that my son died on. Yeah. And then it says this, it says, to whom revenue is due, give revenue. In other words, not just your taxes, but your debts. Um, I'm sorry for rambling. I'm going to pass this right back to you after this point. But um, my father-in-law is such an incredible guy. I, I don't know about you, but I have the best in-laws in the world. And my father-in-law is a tradesman. Uh, but I have watched that man have to chase people for money. He does a job for somebody. He does it. He sends the bill. They, some, sometimes they never even send pay for it. One of the things that we do in this church, and I want you to know because you being a part of it, your reputation is connected to it. Whenever we hire an electrician, a tradesman, a worker, before they start for us, we look them in the face and we say this, we want you to know something about who we are. Number one, we don't do something unless we can afford to pay for it. Number two, we pay our bills immediately. And every time those tradesmen look at me and they say, thank you, why would they do that? They do that because there are lots of people who hire people to do something and they pay part, some, or none. And let me just say this clearly to you. If there is something in this scripture verse that is also very clear, if not only like taxes, whether we like it or not, but if you call yourself a follower of Christ, it is not God's will that you play ding-dong ditch with your debt. But the Bible says, to whom taxes are owed, give taxes. Whom revenue is owed, give revenue. And you know what? That might sting a little bit, but there might be some of you here that need to pick up the phone and call that tradesman who you took advantage of or to call that service 
that you asked for and to say, hey, listen, I'm sorry it's taken so long, but I need to, I need to do that. It's not God's will that you reach beyond your means with the intention of not paying that bill. That's, that's what this verse is teaching us within a structure of, of a country that we live in. And it, that, that's kind of like, a, that might sting a little bit for a couple of you out there, but here's the great thing. I'm not preaching shame or guilt. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, righteousness, and judgment. And if the sting fits, just wear it and share it with God in prayer and say, God, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but he'll work it out. And you'll walk away and you will know what it is to be a man and woman of honor, that your yes is yes and your no is no. Yeah. yeah. The, he, he was quoting verse 7 there, and the last part of that verse says, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. And my hope for you today from this teaching is that you would gain the wisdom to know what is worthy of resistance what isn't, that you would pray and ask God to give you the discernment and wisdom to say, hey, this is something I should be resisting, or this is something I should just be submitting to even though I don't like it. Because those are separate things. I think, yeah, you read First Peter, for example, First Peter chapter 2, verse 17. He's under the emperor Nero. Not a very good guy to Christians. Actually killed a lot of Christians. But he said, love the brotherhood and make sure that you respect and honor the emperor. An emperor who was direct opponents of Christians, he still said, honor these people. And I think that, that bears witness. I don't care what your political opinion is. I don't care what groups you stand with or stand against. It is your duty as a Christian to represent God well and say, I don't agree with these people, but I will respect them. I will honor them. Even if they're doing things that are dishonorable and disrespectful, I will take the high road. And I think that bears witness to Christ. And it also says to the world, my hope ultimately isn't in this life. No matter what happens and what, what's going on here, I am doing the best I can with the time I've been given, but my ultimate hope isn't here. And I think that's what happens when you respect and you honor those who the rest of the world doesn't seem fit to do. I think that speaks to what you should do. Also, I'm, I'll, before Sam comes, I'll, I'll say this. In Acts chapter 23, Paul the Apostles brought before the high priest, and he doesn't know it's the high priest. And in that moment, he insults him and says, you're a whitewashed tomb. You're, you look good on the outside, and you're full of decay on the inside. And the guard slaps him and says, would you dare speak to the high priest in that way? And instead of saying, yes, this man's a false prophet, what's he say? He says, I'm sorry. I didn't know this man was the high priest. You shouldn't speak evil against those in positions of authority. It's easy to dishonor those whom you disagree with, but my caution for you, my hope for you from this today is that you would learn to give things physically like taxes to those who deserve it, to give honor to those who maybe you don't even think deserve it, and that you would really be a light and a witness for Christ in every area of your life. Because Jesus said, be perfect as my Father in heaven is perfect. And we need the Holy Spirit to do that. We can't do that on our own. We can't do these things in our natural strength, but God gives us the power through his Holy Spirit to honor those who are dishonorable, to respect those who are disrespectful, to give money to those whom we don't think we should have to in order that God may be exalted through our lives. So, I can say. And here's, here's the profound part of this, is that you and I actually started as an illegal movement. And going to church, sometimes in the 21st century, we kind of base it off of convenience, right? It's a nice day. Let's go to the beach. I know God says honor the Sabbath. And 
That might sound self-serving as a pastor preaching that to you, but I practice what I preach. But the, the early church had to meet underground in graves, in catacombs. That was the dedication to their Lord and to each other. And they called themselves brother and sister, as weird as that sounds today. It was beautiful because they were family. That's what God called us to be. And while the Bible says, give respect where respect is due and honor where honor is due, what we sometimes easily overlook when we want to throw slurs and slanders or bricks and bottles, we forget that actually when we live out a passage like this, we actually let our light shine before men, as Jesus said, so that they may see your heavenly Father, your good works, and glorify your Father in heaven. You're on display whether you liked it or not. You're the center of attention whether you chose it or didn't. But in history, there are some people who shined bright in the dark moments. Sam, I'm gonna ask you to come over here real quick. We haven't really formally introduced you to him. Sam, I had the privilege of meeting when we went on a trip with ministers in Israel and instantly we were just buds. Like, I'm just like, I don't know, but don't go any further than five feet away from me because you make me laugh constantly. But not only is he hilarious and wonderful and brutally intelligent, he's, uh, he's proficient in Greek and Latin in Korean and English, he's, he's, he, grew, he, was, he was born in Korea, he grew up in the West Coast, up in Pacific Northwest in Washington, he's in the Navy, the Army Reserve, he's a chaplain, and he just happens to be with us rooming with Dylan for this season, and, and I'm sitting at my house and my son Andrew and I are talking, and my son Andrew asked me the question, he's like, Dad, what was the Holy Roman Empire? And I go, do you mean like the Roman Empire with the Caesars? No, 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 the Germanic Holy Roman Empire. I said, let me call my friend Sam. I pick up the phone and Sam and I are talking and, and all of a sudden Andrew is listening to me talk on speakerphone with him for about a half hour as we're talking through all these historical facts. He, he's going to finish up a PhD in late antiquity and medieval history. He's brilliant, but he told me the story. I said, Sam, where's, give me an example of somebody who was a follower of Christ in a time where it was illegal to be so and brought glory to God. And so I've just told him here to share this, to not take us to the dates and the names and all the details, but to take us to a battle during the time of one of the emperors and his legion. And I'm just gonna have him share that quick with you and I'm gonna come back and close off, but listen to this beautiful, powerful moment of light that shined. Thank you for this opportunity for me to come out here and share with you guys this story. Um, this takes time in the place in between 171 and 174 AD under the reign of Marcus Aurelius. He was doing a campaign, military campaign in Germania against a tribe of Quadians. And they were, they came at a critical um, cost and a situation where they lacked water. Soldiers were struggling because there was a lack of water supply, water shortage within the Roman camp and the, they were surrounded by the enemies. And a Roman prefect comes up to Marcus Aurelius and tells him that there is a legion of Christian soldiers from a region called Melitine in current day Turkey. And he shares with them the fact that the group of Christians prayed to their God 
when whatever they prayed, success followed. That success was not because of Christians praying. It was because of God intervening through the prayer of Christians. And what's important here is that it's not that through prayer, rain came, thunder came, and the tides turned over in the favor of the Romans, and Marcus Aurelius won as a result of that. It was through the power of prayer. Christians were persecuted during that time. They were not afraid. Christians like me serve in the army, served in the army in the past. And it was, even in the epigraph in the column of Marcus Aurelius, we see a soldier holding his hands together looking up at the sky, praying. God intervenes through those critical moments in history. It's not just today, but in the past, where Christians prayed in the military despite being persecuted, and as a result, the emperor made a decree to not hurt or persecute these Christians. And that's the thing to remember, the application, the importance of what prayer can do in our lives. Isn't that powerful? Think about this. Thank you for... He's wicked smart, ain't he? But why? Why? That happened so long ago. That happened. Guess what? You know what? That person at work that torments you might be in the middle of a divorce. That person who's constantly angry and blowing up at you may have someone going through chemotherapy and you don't know about it. And it's not that we're anything special, but we serve a God where it says that nothing is impossible for him. You know, what's amazing about that true story is that that legion, because of that event, had their name changed. The thunderous legion. Because when they prayed, God answered with lightning and rain and saved them from death and destruction. Go forward a hundred years, that same legion, those same Christians, I believe it was 12 to 14 of them, suffered a gruesome, horrible, martyrdom death by the same person holding the emperor position, just a different man. You see, nobody gets to pick the times that they live in. I'm very grateful that I live in a country and I live in a time where I can practice my faith and I have freedom of religion, but there's no telling whether one day someone else will come into position and the very things that we value and privilege will be despised and hated and what we think is practicing faith would be considered atheism because we don't believe what someone else believes but it gives us hope to know that we can make a difference through prayer and i i said this to you earlier as a church Many of you here, we don't have the problem of arrogance in our community. I think we have the problem of timidity. You think, I don't want to say that. I don't want to, I don't want to go up to that person and say, hey, would it be all right if I pray for you? Or is everything okay? Or, hey, listen, you look like you're struggling. I, I, I had a difficult time in my life, and, and, and I, I started going to this church, and, and I'd love for you to join me sometime. You might not think that that, that makes a big difference, but... Boy, that's the place where courage really happens. God might not be asking you to give your life. He might be asking you to live his life and let your light shine before men. And so, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you today for a heritage that goes all the way back to you and before. 
Lord, you weren't a pushover. You weren't silent. You're not calling us to be silent. We can speak up, but you're not calling us to slander up. And Lord, you, you, you were the one that when everyone wanted to throw bricks and rocks, you went up to a woman and, and you said, who's the one without sin? Let him cast the first stone. And turned to her and told her, where are your accusers? Lord, sometimes the very thing we think that should be done that's right is just the opposite. And so help us to just take this truth from Romans, civility and civics, help us to apply it, help us to know that it doesn't answer every question or solve every problem, but it definitely gives us some a bar to rise to. Our life is an occasion. Help us to rise to it in the power of your Holy Spirit and according to your word rather than our feelings and thoughts. We give you all the glory and praise. I thank you for such a great group of people, those watching online and those here present. And I pray that your peace, that your spirit, that your solutions, that heaven would begin to release answers to prayers, that heaven right now would begin to release resource for needs, that heaven right now would begin to bring hope in hopelessness, that heaven would begin by Jesus Christ to begin to bring healing into people's lives and into their families and into their marriages and into their difficulties, Lord. We thank you that you are a God that is a thunderous God, and we are a part of that legion and that tribe, the tribe, the Christian legion of the ones who pray to a God that answers. We give you praise and glory, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Go in the grace of God. We'll be back to screaming at you through preaching next week. Bring somebody with you. Plug somebody in and share the link with them, and We'll just let Boaz play here quietly and you can come and go as you need to. God bless you. Thank you so much. We love you.